0: The Recovery Greenhouse is a podcast dedicated to the growth of ideas, concepts, and outlooks that support recovery and recovering communities. I'm Gerald Lott. I'm the host and a person in long-term recovery. I'm also founder, executive director of Salt Valley Voices of Recovery, a recovery community organization serving Northwest Illinois. I'm a certified recovery support specialist, an entrepreneur, a father, and after a long list of careers, I found myself... Uh, helping others to find recovery, and and um, and, and that was my calling. I work with many, many people, and several addiction-related advisory boards. Travel all over, meet all sorts of people that are working in this field. And um, my core belief is that people have to make an effort to change their lives for recovery. It's not something that just happens. You know, there's a saying, "No pain, no gain," and that's exactly correct. A person cannot experience significant life changes without enduring, accepting, often welcoming discomfort. It isn't the change that hurts, it's the resistance to it. Um, Last uh, year, it was 2024 now, last year, I attended uh, what I consider to be the premier uh, recovery conference, a mobilized recovery in uh, D.C., and I met just an amazing amount of individuals that I liken to be superheroes. Um, At one point I remember sitting in this room of like 400 people and and like questioning, do I deserve to be in the room with all these people, you know? Um, And one of those people I met and had some great conversations with is my guest today. Her name is Samantha Ritz. She is a coordinator of Collegiate Recovery Community at Indiana University in Bloomington. And first of all, hi, Samantha.
1: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And so we started talking because I don't even remember why we started talking. We Probably because we were both sitting in the lobby like, <laughs> who the hell are you? Um, but we were talking and you were telling me about some of your efforts to get a sober movement going at IU. And that kind of led us to say, is there a different way to think about this? And, and and so we can get into that a little bit more, but but why don't you tell us who you are and, and how you came to have this responsibility to try to uh, build this community?
1: Yeah. Um, so again, thank you for having me. Um, so I started working in. Well, I'll rewind. Um, I got my education, my bachelor's and my master's in criminal justice, and I've always had a passion about criminal justice reform. Um, and so that led me into looking for, um, criminal justice related jobs that weren't working for the system, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, because I wanted to help people. And so I started out as a, um, a recovery coach, uh, doing a local jail programming Um, and from there, I fell in love with working with individuals uh, who struggle with substance use um, and just helping people in general, and so that's kind of what then shot me into. um, I ended up managing a 28-day residential program for men. Um, I did that for a few years, and then now I'm at the university, um, and so I'm working with a little bit of a different population now, working with college students, but still have that same kind of passion and drive to help people um, who are questioning their substance use um, or wanting to to kind of look at that relationship.
0: Are you in recovery?
1: I am not a person in recovery. Well, uh, so this goes into what we talk about, right? Of what what recovery is and and what that looks like. So, you know, I identify as a person in recovery from a lot of different things. Substance use isn't one of them um, specifically, um, but again, if we're talking about wellness and that that kind of larger picture, then yes. So kind of a twofold answer. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the real question. How are college kids
0: different or the same as people in jail?
1: That is a great question. and. To be honest, initially I thought there weren't going to be that many differences. <laughs> I was like, it's the <laughs> right? same thing, you know, like substance use, you know, it's the same, you use the same kind of tactics, you know, whatever. That was kind of my mindset. Um, and while that is true, right, you do use similar techniques to find different ways to cope and and all that stuff. Um, you know, there's still very different struggles that each population faces. So for our college students, you know, a lot of it's just fitting in, right? There's already a stigma to addiction as a whole or substance use disorder um, and struggling with that. Um, but there's especially a stigma within the college setting um, because a lot of people will say like, well, it's not an addiction until you're not in college anymore, Right. Like people have these sayings. I've heard that from many students. <laughs> it's not a problem until you leave college. And then if you can't control it, then it's a problem. Um that's so that's so yeah, it's a very, it's a very strange take because I had never heard that. But with that, um, you know, it's not students don't feel comfortable talking about that, um, about their substance use and how they might struggle with it because they want to fit in with everyone who's partying. Um mm-hmm. A lot of students don't realize that that's not what all the students are doing, Um, but that is just what they've been kind of, um, I know that's been their experience so far. So on top of there just being a stigma within the larger society, there's also a different type of stigma within the college campus university setting. Um, And then on top of that, if they are seeking help, um, then finding help with people who they identify with is hard, right? So I've had some students go to AA meetings or try different types of recovery meetings and there's no one there their age. And they're like, well, I didn't feel comfortable because there wasn't anyone I could relate to. Um, And so that's a common thing we hear. And that's why, you know, collegiate recovery communities exist. and, And kind of what I hope to do is foster that environment where there are people that you can closely identify with and relate to so that you feel comfortable kind of opening up and sharing
0: cool so let's we i think we got to take a step backwards i don't know that everybody knows what co- collegiate recovery communities are i think how many of them are there in in the country at this point do you know because i i heard it was like less than 30.
1: so there actually are a lot more in 2019 there were 138. okay Um, I don't know how many there are now. Um, The first one started back in the 70s at Brown University. And for a long time, there were like a handful of universities that had them. Um, Now it's becoming more of a popular thing. Um, But that's still within the last few years. Um,
0: So so describe what is a collegiate? What You know, if I walk onto a campus, what do I, you know...
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, there are collegiate recovery communities and collegiate recovery programs. They're often referred to as the same things. They're a little bit different, but if you're someone who's coming on campus and you are someone who is looking for a space of people who are wanting to make some positive changes in their lives, that's kind of what that space is for. And so, um, it typically involves a physical space on campus for students to, Hang out and know that they can go have like sober interactions in that place. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's providing that space and it's also providing um, weekly meetings, individual recovery coaching, um, and then kind of advising and helping them navigate every aspect of their life um, as a whole person, not just as someone who struggles with their substance use. Um, and so the way that programs and communities differ, some programs are a little more intense and they have some guidelines um, on you know, certain expectations. If you do X, Y, and Z, you'll get X, Y, and Z from us in return as part of your participation, right? Sometimes there are scholarships, other perks like that um, to incentivize people to, to engage with one another. Um, and then there are collegiate wow. recovery communities that are a little less structured where they're not necessarily And that's how my program runs currently. Um, Anyone can come to one of the meetings. There are no requirements. There are no specific rules you have to follow, anything like that.
0: So so selfishly, I'm trying to help or encourage a CRC to get started at Northern Illinois University, which is 30 miles down the road here and, and kind of the center of our community um and the reason being that i think that uh college students set cool right that you know the world changes at the college at the college campus and then it spreads out from there Mm -hmm. um and so i we just recently had our big recovery conference at uh at northern and before the event i was walking through campus and they had a day where all the student organizations like had a table out in the quad and i guess new students could walk by and you know find out about the chess club or the you know dolphins you know swimming <laughs> and, and, and 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 tobacco club or whatever you know um would your crc have a table out there is that would they you know is, is it something i get a jacket or or yeah low key.
1: yeah so most CRCs start out as student groups actually and then they push to become sanctioned by the university um and that sanctioning just helps them get a space that the university provides them things like that so with that um different programs function differently but typically they're um the members right you want them to participate And get involved. And so they usually are wanting to do outreach in that way where they'll table, um, they'll, you know, talk about what the program is, you know, what it's about, why they appreciate it, all of that good stuff. Um, Anytime I, since my program's relatively small, um, so anytime that I don't have students that are able or willing, then that's where I come in and I do all that outreach. Um, And I sit in a lot of things like, you know, a bunch of tables set up and here's a fair for, you know, whatever new students or, or whatever. And, and we do, um, provide information and and do things like that. And typically in conjunction with, um, our harm reduction team as well.
0: So, um, two, two things jumped to mind. The first one is, uh, somebody I was talking to about sober dorms and they, they, said, well, aren't all the dorms sober? And I don't know if they were repeating something they heard or what. It sounds like one of those old jokes, but aren't all dorms at co- There's no college that's like, you know, come live in our dorm, freshman, and we've got, you know, beer on tap, or you know what I mean? They're yeah. the- Technically, they're supposed to be. So what differentiates a, 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 colleg- a CRC sober dorm from a regular dorm
1: yeah um so not all universities or colleges have um sober living as part of their crc but there are some that do um we don't at iu however that's not something out of the realm of possibility in the future um but how it works essentially is you know it's kind of the same concept of like well it's illegal to drink so we shouldn't be talking about students drinking, right? You know, it's that same kind of concept with dorms. So yes, they're supposed to be sober, right? There are people underage living there. Oftentimes the university have rules that say, you know, no alcohol. Um, But the difference being for those that have recovery housing within dorms, um, it functions more like a recovery house would and less, or like a living learning community if you're um, familiar with those and less like, a typical dorm that's sober um so it would it includes more of that kind of integrated like hey all these people that I'm living with are also participating in this CRC group that we meet weekly and you know I, we both meet with a recovery coach and we're involved in all these other things and so the idea there is again to um have housing that is run a little bit, a little bit different than, than what a typical dorm would be run like.
0: My guest is is Samantha Ritz, uh, Collegiate Recovery Community Coordinator with Indiana University in Bloomington. And we're just, she's she's teaching me about this, uh, this phenomena, honestly, to me. I remember my college days. And while my dorm was sober, we had the beer blast, right? We had, the, you know, the, the the dance in the uh, in the the cafeteria where beer was a dollar for a giant cup, and you know, um, that's that's where I learned how bad of an alcoholic and addict I am, you know. Um, and so, I do agree that that college can be that great experimenting place. Um, did you and I discuss the movie Generation Found? Did I ask you about that?
1: I don't remember. Have you seen it? It's not ringing a bell. No.
0: It, it's it's by the, it's by uh Greg Williams. It's it's the uh it's in a line of movies with anonymous people and tipping the pain scale. Okay. All all of these are available on Amazon Great Movies. Please check them out. Um Generation Found Chronicles a a principal at a recovery high school in Houston. And it kind of watches her for for a year. And she's talking about what's going on. And and one of the the kids in her class that graduates that year goes on to a college with a CRC. And she's talking about what she found when she got there, how she felt um, I, I can't recall, to be honest with you, if she stayed 100% in it or, or if she fell away a little bit and came back. But she, that's where I, I, I became aware of CRCs. I, I'm 58 years old. How would I know about this, right? Um, um, but it just struck me as such an amazing concept. But it also struck me as a very difficult sell. You know, yes, it makes so much sense. It's like orthopedic shoes,
1: right? <laughs> that's a very hey, great analogy. <laughs>
0: they make great sense, right? But really, who wants to wear? Them?
1: Yep. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's so, spot on. To be honest.
0: Yeah. You know? So for me, it's like how do you convince what college students are what 19 to 25 Mm -hmm. to declare themselves an alcoholic already and start living a healthy life. And so this is where you and I had talked about not pitching it as sober, but pitching it as wellness.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, And that's honestly, that has, what has been the most successful for me thus far is promoting that wellness. Um, also promoting, um, for me, I can't speak for any other programs, but promoting all pathways and Mm -hmm. in promoting that, not even like coming out and saying, that's what we're, you know, that's what we're about. It's more like, yeah, if you just want to reevaluate your relationship with substances, or if you're just looking to, you know, improve in your, social activities, or, you know, you want to focus on this, like, this is a place that you can come for people who have self-identified as wanting to improve their lives in some way, and kind of keeping it more of a general wellness improvement, and less so focused on substances.
0: Did you tell me about doing the yoga event? Was that? that Yes. Okay, so tell me that one again, because I remember you said you did one thing, nobody came, you did this other thing.
1: Yes. So, yeah, so every year for recovery month, we throw together some different events to kind of raise awareness that we exist, because most people don't know we do, um, and to try to get more people involved. And so we've had various events. Um, We did like a rock painting one, which was really fun and, you know, cool, but like a couple people came, Um, which again, rock painting, I get it. It's not like the coolest thing to do when you're in college. but we have also done um two events we've collaborated with our rec sports, um and we've done yoga as well as um a spin class um and the yoga class was we did it outside and with glow sticks, and we made it really fun and cool and like a hip thing to do at night. And we had almost two hundred people come and so again, it's like making things enticing to this age range, um, which means getting a little bit more creative than you might if you operate in the treatment realm at a community mental health center or something of that nature.
0: You know, it's interesting that that you bring that up. Um, My history is uh, I was a nightclub promoter and, you know, bar owner and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I found that a lot of the people that I met in the recovery space almost want to act like we did not have those experiences,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know? And so you throw, you throw a sober dance and you've got a guy playing like, you know, Willie Nelson songs and, you know, and and we're, we're trying to, you know, dip out of a punch bowl like we did in eighth grade. And I was like. That wasn't cool when I was drinking. Why would that be cool now?
1: Right. Correct.
0: <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and So it, it's just it's it's interesting, like you said. How many students are on the camp? How many students on the campus in general? You know, um, in, in, in IU. What size? You've got. Is it? I
1: want to say close to forty nine thousand.
0: Okay. How many? Um, would you- how many would you say were are active in your CRC?
1: Consistently active, like five. Um, yeah, but I have, we have a group chat that we continue um, that alumni can stay in. Um, and we're definitely way into the double digits there with that. And so there are a lot of people who are involved um, in the group chat and promoting different local events and things like that, that might not have a schedule that fits with ours or things of that nature. So we're very, very small compared to how big the university is. Um, And what that just tells me is that there's still a lot of work to do and there's a lot of people to reach Um, because I know for a fact that there are plenty of other people who could utilize the resources that are there. They just might not know it exists or know want to ask for help yet or have an entice like get invited to an enticing cool event or whatever
0: right. right but you know if you want to invite them over to try on orthopedic shoes
1: <laughs> right
0: they would, they, would, they would you know the ones with the velcro yep so let's let's use a conservative 10 percent as what your estimation of the population that would have some kind of a drug alcohol or other recovery-related
1: mm-hmm.
0: issue, gambling, porn, right? Absolutely, all are welcome in your CRC. Mm-hmm. If you've got forty-nine thousand students, you should have, you know, five thousand students that are of that universe. Then diagram, right? Yep. And you've got, you know, maybe a few dozen. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do to turn the few dozen into magnets, right? Because we know alcoholism and addiction tends to separate us from the pack, right? Um, I remember when I was in college and my, my addiction was going really strong. I literally just stayed in my dorm room, you know, other than the classes I absolutely had to go to, I just stayed in my dorm room, suffering alone. Um, When I was trying to beat it, I was ashamed and I didn't come out. I can't imagine your recovery people are captain of the football team or head cheerleader. They're they're probably not out there, you know, running for prom queen or whatever you do in college. How do you turn them into magnets to attract?
1: Yeah, well, for starters, I wish I had a foolproof answer for this because that would make my job 10 times easier. (laughs) Um, But this is something I'm continuing to figure out. Um, And I think ultimately it comes to letting go of what I think students want and letting the students determine what they want and need. And um, that's been a difficult lesson to learn again, because I was coming from a very different um, setting prior to working uh, with collegiate recovery. And it's it's been a lot of trial and error, a lot of focus groups with students um, and a lot of kind of intentionally doing very different things than um, I guess your typical college outreach approach would be, right? Because again, you said, you know, you were alone in your dorm, right? It's not like you were going out and seeing everyone in the light and, you know, um, and so we know that a lot of students struggling aren't, are the same as you, right? They're in their dorms, they're not out and about and so it's kind of being strategic and intentional about how you're getting your information out there putting a table up and tabling at locations that aren't typically heavily tabled or that aren't your typical like where all the all the main people are right because the people who are already involved in things are not necessarily the people that need this and it's the people who aren't involved and so it's getting letting the students speak for themselves, but then also getting that student buy-in, um, which is where some of the incentives that some different programs have come in um, and then, you know, providing services, events, activities, and things that the students express that they need and want. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm constantly looking for new ways to, to do that. Um, a lot of it is also getting involved with the local community because, you know, as much as people find out that they have a problem in college, there are also people who already know, hey, this is my deal. You know, I know that there's 12 steps in the community. I know that there's this in the community and they go and reach out to those resources. So making sure that the local community, recovery community, has information about what we offer so that when students go there, that's an, another push.
0: Is the 12-step community in Bloomington writ large, right? Yes. All the AA meetings, NA meetings, all the hospitals, treatment centers, are they supportive? Are they active in your CRC? Do they, do they come and You know, do they sponsor people? Do they attend events that you guys throw or?
1: Yeah. So um, the local community has been fairly involved, at least um, to the extent so far of um, referrals, um, both to and from. Uh, It's been very helpful that I've worked in this local recovery community because I know a lot of people who are making those referrals to me. Um, So that's really kind of streamlined that process and been very helpful. Um, But so there is, I've interacted with a lot of different local um, 12-step treatment facilities, all of that good stuff. Um, I'm constantly meeting with other local um, or new treatment facilities that come up to kind of, again, kind of if we have someone that we think is going to, you know, Is a college student and we think it's appropriate for them to come here then we'll refer them and vice versa so um we typically don't end up making a lot of referrals to treatment it's more mostly people are leaving treatment coming back to college and then they're kind of um finding us along the way in that in that process
0: my guest is samantha ritz from indiana university collegiate recovery uh, community coordinator We're going to take a break for a second. And when we come back, I got the doozy of a question for
1: you. All right.
0: All right. The Recovery Greenhouse is sponsored by Fresco on First, a high-quality cafe dedicated to using only fresh and natural ingredients offering a variety of dishes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Along with grabbing a bite to eat, one can also stop in for a smoothie or enjoy a cup of coffee at their espresso bar. Now available is the Fresco Event Loft, a 4,000 square foot space with wide open floor plan that overlooks First Street. It's perfect for birthday parties, baby showers, graduation parties, corporate events, and more. We've got beautiful hardwood floors and all the room you'd possibly need. And don't forget, Fresco on First offers dining and curbside pickup. Delivery and catering they are located at 216 West 1st Street in Dixon, Illinois, opening at 7 a.m. Tuesday through Sunday. Stop by, I've had the food, and it is delicious. All right, we're back with Samantha Samantha Ritz of uh, Indiana University. So the doozy of a question. Is there a feeder system? Is, you know, my son, who's in eighth grade uh, or seventh grade, I'm sorry, just joined a basketball program that the high school put together. And the high school, and it's Catholic high school. And the the high school said to the parents at that first meeting Hey, if you don't think your son's going to come to our school, you probably don't want him in this camp, right? This is a theater. This we're trying to teach these kids what we do. We're trying to see who is in the community that we can, you know, so this is all a part of one thing. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to do that with the kids coming out of high schools? Or and, and, and maybe not just for your program, but you know, across the world, have have high schools identified kids that have substance use issues or, you know, are there recovery high schools in Indiana?
1: Yeah, so I think um, colleges and universities have been the most successful in having a system like that with recovery high schools. Um, So we do have a recovery high school in Indianapolis um, and that's the only one I think in the state, Um, I'm pretty sure in the state Um, and it's really small. So a lot of times they, they tend to work very closely with the community college and the, um, PUI, which is our Indianapolis branch of IU. Um, so they end up working fairly closely with them. Um, that in other States I've seen be pretty successful, um, and getting, and getting people into their program that way. Um, and I know that there are um, some universities who are very well known for their CRCs or their collegiate recovery communities. And um, a lot of people in recovery high schools throughout the country will seek out those specific institutions when they're looking. Um what schools are those? So Texas Tech is a big one. Um, they kind of, they created the whole like, Curriculum guidelines on how to start a new program. SAMHSA funded funded them and, and they kind of created that. Um, Kennesaw State, they have a huge program. Um, Brown, they're the first ones, you know. So there's always that history there they have. So there are a lot of those, those bigger programs. Um, Stanford, I'm pretty sure, um, they have a, a large
0: I met a guy from there.
1: Yes, and they do a lot of research associated with it and everything. They
0: I met a guy from there. I can't remember his name. Dr. Noel.
1: Yes, Noel Vest.
0: Vest, yes. And he and he was he was sharing with me like in their sober dorm because he called it a wellness dorm too. Um like they had like animals come. They had a petting zoo just so so everybody could get fuzzies and, and, yep. and just have good good vibrations that day. I was like, that sounds so cool.
1: Yeah. Actually, the reason that I mentioned him and Stanford specifically is because the mobilized conference the year last year, when they did the bus tour, they did, you know, the virtual conference. And I sat when him and um his program coordinator or manager um they did a presentation and, and a panel discussion and that was what initially, mobilized. was what initially was like, oh, there's collegiate recovery out there in the field. Um, you just have to dig through the weeds and find it.
0: <laughs> you took the job without know- knowing it. I mean, so Indiana U was kind of on the cutting edge. How did they come to decide to do this?
1: Yeah, so I've only been in this role for a few years, well, two years now um, just hit my second, my two year anniversary. I didn't know collegiate recovery existed. I was like you, I was like, what is collegiate recovery? Like I've never heard of it. Um, I previously worked in higher ed, um, when I was in grad school. And so it was kind of that perfect mesh of treatment, recovery, that sort of thing, and getting to work with college students again. So I was very drawn to it for those purposes. Um, and at the time COVID had just wiped out a lot of programs in terms of, you know, it's hard to connect with new people if you're not socializing. So it's hard to recruit new people (laughs) if you can't get out there and do it. So I was coming in starting with no students in the program at all because COVID had wiped it out. And so um, I was kind of starting from scratch. It previously had a thriving program originated from a student group. and was doing really well. And, you know, just COVID really did a number on a lot of programs. And, Absolutely. and so that's, yeah, that's how I got into the CRC side of things.
0: So, so then what is, let's say, let's say it all works out,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right. And you get this thriving community going for the, the university, for the individual, what's the upside? What's, what, what are the positive, benefits we're looking to to capture
1: yeah so um research has said that students who are engaged in a crc um are um more likely to um they have higher retention rates more likely to be retained um, they have higher graduation rates than just the regular student population um and so because the research shows those numbers right then it's administration likes that. And so there's this push of okay, these are helpful. Let's, let's push these out there because they're ensuring that students who normally wouldn't have a support system could potentially fail out or drop out because of needing treatment or whatever, it allows um, them to have that chance and that opportunity that they might not have had prior. Um, And so that's really the big, the big push.
0: Do universities keep stats on kids that bottom out because of substance use or anything like that or?
1: You know, I don't know, we do, we have data and we do regular um, surveys regarding, you know, the substance use and that sort of thing, but I'm not sure that there are specific stats on, um, you know, people who end up dropping out or take a semester off or whatever.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it. it's just so, so interesting. I, I, I have to ask myself, where would I be had I had a different collegiate experience? Now, I went to college in New Orleans, where it was all about drinking, you know. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> the semester was bananas. And I took every bit, you know, every bit of opportunity to participate in, in that. Um, and I, and I don't, you know, you, you can never unring a bell, right? You can't go back in time. So I, I'll never know. But I I, I know I would have, uh, it took me five years. I think I would have gotten done in four. Um, certainly there were classes that I deprioritized because they were early in the morning, you know, which I think I could have done better in. Um so overall, you know, I think that would have been interesting. Also, if if I was only focused on the sober, mm-hmm. those would have been the benefits. But then to have the wellness, you know, in it, the, the better diet, the exercise, the, the, you know, the mindfulness and meditation. Yeah. You know, I... I I, I would I would I would highly recommend a program like this to any any student that I I'm at. Yeah.
1: We've so do we
0: do? Um, where do we go? How do we how do we how do we get more more people involved? How do we build it?
1: Yeah, so um right there's um, the Association for Recovery and Higher Education, ARHE, they are the um kind of hub for collegiate recovery. Um, and collegiate recovery programs and so they are currently in their pilot phase of accreditation Um, and so the hope is that you go through this accreditation process. Um, I was fortunate enough to um, participate as one of the um, external reviewers um, in the pilot and Basically, you get accredited, and then if you don't meet the standards, then they will continue to provide you with technical support until you do. Um, And then in addition to that, it allows for um, staff at universities to go back to their administration and say, hey, we were reviewed and look at what we need, or they can advocate for themselves. Hey, we don't have enough staff for how many students we're serving, or um, we really need a physical space for this this group of students or whatever. So the hope currently is with that accreditation, um, bringing more programs and and allowing there to be more support um, for those programs. And really, I think it's, again, just getting more programs started in more institutions. um, So tell me
0: the association again, I I lost that.
1: It's the Association for Recovery and Higher Education.
0: Recovery in, like yes. I. Yes. So they gotta have like a cool acronym.
1: Yeah, ARHE. It's not that great. <laughs> but I like that. A
0: R-H-E. They,
1: <laughs> yes. They've they've been amazing. Um the um current director was at the mobilized conference, for example. So I got to meet her for the first time, which was nice. Um and so they really are who they have just updated and set new standards and recommendations for CRCs and they have a ton of resources on how to get one started or get one going um, and how to advocate for yourself all of that good stuff. Um, the hard part is it takes someone if they if a program doesn't exist already, it takes someone to advocate for the institution to get a program and I think. Again, that's the hard part. It's easy to advocate for a program that already exists if you need help and support in it. It's not as easy to advocate for something that completely doesn't exist.
0: Right, um, right. It's like we we, we need rocket ships. Like, yeah. <laughs> right.
1: So um, I I think getting it to a point where everyone knows, oh, this is a regular part of college. Right. CRC like we both were like, we never heard of that when we were in school, right? Like it didn't exist at my university. Um, And so if we can get it to a point where it's like everyone knows, hey, this is a club or this is an opportunity um, and a service that's provided at multiple institutions, um, I think that's one way to kind of increase engagement across the board.
0: I have a 17-year-old son right now who is... Uh, applying for college, a senior, Um, and, you know, on his applications, he has put everything he has ever done, you know, Uh, you know, I was a Boy Scout, I was in drama camp, I was, you know, whatever is done, Um, and, and this isn't my son, he's never had an issue, but I can't imagine a student putting as a, as a qualification or as a positive that they're two years sober. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the implication would be, yeah, but what about two years and a month ago? Yeah. Right. And so I think it would be really awesome if we got to the point where kids are putting that on their application and schools are giving them, hey, you know, join our CRC. Here's an extra thousand buck, you know, yeah,
1: absolutely. Sober guy scholarship. Yeah, because in all reality, what that says to me, which it says something different to you and I than it will to the normal person, but we see that and I'm like, dang, they're dedicated. They're determined. Right. I want that person. And
0: yeah, a, guy, a guy that can get two years sober at 19 is is amazing to me. Yes.
1: <laughs> so if we could get to the point where this is so common, right? These programs and these things that exist and that the stigma is is not nearly as severe as it currently is to be able to have that be a positive attribute. You know, I really think that that could work for a lot of people's benefit, a lot of employers benefits Mm -hmm. um, to acknowledge like, wow, that's impressive. Like good for you. That shows me you can, you're determined, you're dedicated, you can get things done. And I think that personally that it should be a, looked at as a positive attribute as opposed to people being like, Ooh, I want to keep that a secret or I don't want them to know.
0: Right. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. You know, as, as I go around to different meetings um, you see young people and you know, I hate that they're starting off already with shame. They're starting already off with the secret, the grand secret you know everybody's got at my age everybody's got secrets but you know you shouldn't have them at, at at 18 you you shouldn't be trying to deny a part of your history and that that's really terrible and i really hope that these these organizations or these programs can 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 help so we as i said are trying to push at NIU and I am I am going to just volunteer you into helping me.
1: <laughs> I'm happy to assist and help in any way I can. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Um, you know, and let's meet with some of these people and, and let them, you know, if I got to put them in my car and drive them down to IU and and walk them around, let's do it because, you know, I, I think we're in one of those Whitney Houston songs, I Believe the Children Are the Future, right? <laughs>
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Well, hey, Sam, thank you so much for doing this and and doing it on short notice.
1: Yes, absolutely. Anytime, I'm happy to help. So this has been great.
0: Awesome, awesome. So everybody at home, that's been Samantha Ritz from Indiana University, coordinator of Collegiate Recovery Community, Um, rock star in the the, uh, recovery world. as you hear, there's a lot of people out there that want to help you. She wants to help you. I want to help you. There's five kids at Indiana University that want to help you. Just gotta find them. Uh, but you know, if if you need help, you don't have to suffer alone. And that's that's what this whole whole program is trying to show you is that there is something out there, um, and it's better than the alternative. And so. If you need help, call your church, call your police department, call your hospital, call the Recovery Community Organization. Go knock on the neighbor's door and just say, I'm in trouble, help me. But, but don't do this alone. Um, you can absolutely reach out to us if you need to. Our, our website is sbvor.org. Our phone number is 779 707 0151. And somebody at the other end of the phone will help you. In fact, Even though I'm 100 miles west of Chicago, we just helped a guy in Detroit this week find detox. Look at that. We did it by reaching out to some other organizations like ours in that area. So there's always a handout somewhere. Just reach for it. Um, I want to thank Samantha for being a guest. I want to thank Slang Music Group for the music. I want to thank... my team for being a part of this the show is produced by me so it's kind of crummy and um, that's about it so until we see it take care